Father, we love you today. We thank you for this time of worship, a chance to gather in your name. And we are just so blessed. Uh, we think about our children, as Sue's mentioned, and Guy's new arrival in Kinsley. And, you know, that's church growth at its finest. And I thank you for that. I thank you for the young ones in this church. I pray, God, that you'll protect them. I pray for their dreams, that they'll become reality one day. But most importantly, we as your church have an obligation to help them on their spiritual journey. And I pray when they're old enough that they'll invite you into their heart of hearts and live their life for you. And it is in your son's name that we pray. Amen. We want to talk today about the pathway to peace. I think that's something that we all are looking for, peace of mind. And we want to talk about what the key to peace of mind truly is. The world often offers us things that say will bring us peace of mind, mainly because they're somebody's products that they want us to buy. And um, they're hoping by saying that it's going to give us peace of mind, people will buy it. And people often do. I was uh, looking one day not too long ago at some ads, and there was an ad that popped up for an essential oil blend. It's called Peace Reassuring Blend. And it says that it's used to uh, provide this. When experiencing anxious feelings, apply one drop to hands, rub together, and inhale deeply. And then the benefits that you receive from that is it promotes feelings of peace, reassurance, and contentment, counteracts anxious and fearful emotions. Now let me just say, if it truly was that easy, we'd all be walking around with gallon jugs of that stuff, right? You put a drop on and, and wow, everything's peaceful and good. That would be amazing, but I don't think it quite works that way. Peace of mind is such an important concept that people do all kinds of things to find that. People will travel to exotic places and spend thousands upon thousands of dollars to try to find peace of mind. They will um, sometimes take drugs and snort them up their noses that you know, certainly don't give them peace of mind and also cause a lot of damage to their brains. There are people who do all kinds of strange rituals trying to find peace of mind. We know that those things certainly don't bring peace of mind. Very few people, though, in this world truly are at peace with themselves. Most people have a really high amount of tension, stress, anxiety in their lives. But God has promised us peace of mind because it's a fundamental need for you and for me. Isaiah 26.3 tells us this, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. One of the Hebrew names for God is Jehovah Shalom. Shalom means peace. So Jehovah Shalom means I am the God of peace. I need to say right from the get-go that if you're waiting for all the problems to be solved in your life to have peace, guess what? Never going to happen. We're always going to have problems in our lives. So please don't think that all the problems in your life have to be solved in order to have peace. It just doesn't work that way. Peace of, the, of mind, though, is the result of three choices, three decisions that I think we need to make in our lives. And if we do make these choices, then I think we're going to be able to have peace in our life, even while we still have problems and struggles around us. The first choice that we must be willing to make if we're going to find that perfect peace that can only come from God in our life is to accept what cannot be changed. And this is a huge piece of this journey called life. Worrying about things that cannot be changed will never bring peace, folks. 
feeling guilty about things that cannot be changed, becoming resentful or even angry, bitter. Um, Those things will never, ever bring peace. Having self-pity about things that cannot be changed, they will never, ever bring us the peace that we search for. There's only one thing in life that will bring peace, and that's acceptance. Accepting those things that cannot be changed. In the Bible, there's a story in the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 12. It's a story of King David. He has a young son who is dying. King David did everything he could to prevent his young son from dying. He prayed in the temple seven days and seven nights. He fasted, he wept, he cried out to God, he pleaded with God. He said, God, please don't let this child die. And on the seventh day, the baby died. His advisors, they heard about the baby's death and they were fearful. Because they knew that while the baby was alive, it almost pushed King David over the brink. And they thought, surely once he finds out the baby is dead, then it will be enough to just unsettle him to the point that he will go over the brink. And he heard them whispering, and he said, is the baby dead? And they said, yes. It's interesting because King David, he took a bath. He put on clean clothes. Bible says he ate a meal, and he went back to work. His advisors were astounded. In fact, finally, they got the courage to say, what's this all about? When the baby was near death, you were living in agony, and now that your son has died, you act as though it's okay. And they were confused, and and King David said to them, the child is in heaven. And one day I too will die, and I will be with my child in heaven. But now there's absolutely nothing I can do about it, so I need to get on with my life. He accepted in his life what could not be changed, and he moved on. Let me tell you one of the things that I've learned, folks, in working end-of-life ministry for many, many years now. It's the fact that people miss out on a great amount of peace in their life because they're always trying to look for an explanation as to why things happened. When something goes wrong in life and and it just doesn't go like we planned, maybe we get blindsided or Sue and I say it's almost like hitting a brick wall at times. It happens. It truly does. And and we have a tendency to say, why, God? Why me? Why is this happening? And why now of all times? And we go over it and over it in our mind, and the reality is we live in turmoil. Allow me also to give you another observation. Explanations never bring peace. You know, we think in life, if I just knew why, God, why this is going on, 
then surely it would make sense. And it doesn't. An explanation doesn't bring peace, and some of you are tracking with me. You know why some things have happened in your life, and, and it doesn't bring that peace that we're looking for. In fact, there's still that anger and that, that sense of bitterness that wells up in us. And the reality is, explanations never satisfy. So what does bring true peace in life? What comforts us, I believe, is the presence of God in our life. Not explanations, but knowing that God is there with us, that he cares, that he loves us, and that he is there to comfort us. So I'm encouraging you today, if you're a person who's seeking an explanation to something that you are struggling with, just lay that aside. You don't need an explanation. It's not going to take care of the problem. Millions of people pray the serenity prayer every day. I'm sure that most of you here are familiar with it. It's a very famous prayer. It's often used in 12-step programs and many other places. It says this, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That famous prayer was written by a man named Reinhold Niebuhr. But what you don't know is that there are eight more lines to that prayer, eight lines that have been edited out. And I think that those lines are so important because they really hold the key to finding peace when you hear it as one piece. And so let me read the full prayer to you. It says this, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you, God, will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Isn't that an amazing prayer? Mm-hmm. Someone asked me for a copy of it. So next week I'll have some and put them on the Welcome Center if you want one. So here's what you do. When you're going through an experience that you don't like, you don't know what to do about it, you do what you can. You do the very best you can. And then you accept what can't be changed. If you've got a health problem, some kind of physical illness or struggle that you're going through, you seek out the very best doctors that you can. Listen to them. Follow their advice if it seems right. Do what they suggest. But when you hit that wall and there's nothing else that can be done, accept what can't be changed. This applies to every situation that we might face in life. Struggles with kids sometimes. We do everything we can. We try to get them the very best help that we can, but there comes a point where we can't do anything else. and We have to be willing to accept what can't be changed. God says that this is the starting point to peace, accepting what can't be changed. The second thing that you and I, we must be willing to do in our life is to trust God's loving care. Isaiah 26.3 reminds us, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. 
God gives peace to people who trusted him because there's a dependency there on our part to depend on him. As we said earlier, you will never, ever live a problem-free life. There is no such thing as a problem-free life. And if it's not this, it'll be something else. In fact, let me share a little bit about my life. I live my life always having a number one problem. And I work at it. And occasionally I knock it off. And then you know what I do? I promote problem number two to problem number one. And I always have a number one problem that I'm working on. It is just a fact of life. And I don't know, but maybe you've cried out and said, why does my life seem to be one problem after another? Have you ever asked that question? We can actually answer that in going back to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, they were disobedient to God. And because of that, sin entered the world. And this world is not perfect, folks, because of that. It's a world that has many unfair things in it because in reality it's not fair. And there's another issue that we deal with and that's an enemy called Satan. People have said to me over my ministry, do you really believe there's, there's a thing that Satan's for real? Mm-hmm. I do with all of my heart. In fact, Jesus believed it. The Bible talks about it From beginning to end, and the reality is, if you want to see it at work, just read the paper every morning. Just listen to the news, and you can hear all over the world the fact that evil is there. Evil is a real entity in the world that we live in, the fallen world that we live in. So you've got a world competing against you. You've got an enemy, Satan, that would like nothing more than to mess you up. But I want you to hear me, folks. There are some things that happen in life that you cannot blame anybody for. I call it our lot in life. It's not the world's fault, and it's not the enemy's fault. Just some things that you can't blame anybody for. One day, Jesus was walking down the street with his disciples, and they encountered a man who was blind. The scriptures, if you want to read the story, it's in John 9. Um, The scriptures tell us that this man had been blind since his birth. And of course, right away, the disciples came around Jesus and they said, Who sinned? Was it this man or was his parents' fault that he's blind? Obviously, they thought that someone had sinned and caused his blindness. And it was interesting what Jesus said. He quickly told them that it was not either one of them's fault. You know, we hear that same thing today in our world. Oftentimes, people want to blame their parents for their troubles or they blame themselves for the situations that they're in. And we know that that's been an idea that's been around since this time in the Bible. When they asked Jesus whose fault it was, Jesus said, neither. It's neither the man's fault nor his parents' fault. John 9 verse 3 says, This happened so the work of God may be displayed in his life. 
It doesn't matter why you have the problem that you have, that problem that seems like you can't, can't figure it out, you can't control it, you know, you just can't explain it, you can't seem to change it. It doesn't matter, regardless of that problem and whether it was something that came from this world we live in, if it was something that happened because of Satan, maybe it's something that you've done to yourself. Whatever the reason, you still need that same response every single time to each problem. And that's to trust in the loving care of our God. John 16.33 says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. That is such a key point for us to remember. He is with us and he has overcome the world. And then in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, these verses are some of my favorite ones. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. That's the way to find true peace. That's the path to peace, to trust God's loving care in every and any situation. And thirdly, folks, we need to be willing to surrender to God's loving control. And this is easy to say, but this is a very, very difficult journey for us to take, especially when you're facing those problems in life. The real reason that we are in turmoil is because we're filled with all kinds of things in life that just seem to get in the way of peace. We certainly have all kinds of tension. There's stress that we deal with on a very, very regular basis. And it's almost as if we're in conflict with God. Or if you were, a, a battle is raging between you and God. And the reality is, every day when we wake up, we have a choice that we make. Who's going to be in charge today? Is it going to be me? Or is it going to be God? And oftentimes, we have a tendency to think we know what's better. We can manage our own life better than God, and we choose wrong. And I think that's an issue that we need to deal with on a regular basis. The Bible is very clear on the results of this decision. Romans 8, 6 says, So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind, it leads to life and peace. These are your alternatives, death or life, and God's perfect peace. What's going to be your choice? What's going to be your choice? I don't know if you've really thought about who would win if you ever got into a conflict with God, <laughs> I don't want to burst any bubbles, but 
God's going to win every time. In fact, there's an old saying that I heard years ago, and it says, your arms are too short to box with God. I grew up in the era of Muhammad Ali. Some of you are old enough maybe to remember him. He was a world champion boxer. He had a pride issue, if you remember. And he went around the world getting in front of television cameras, clenching his fists, screaming, I'm the greatest. I am the greatest. And then I remember a few years ago, Ali was asked to light the torch at the Olympics. And I remember watching him struggle to climb those steps. And and he lifted the torch in his shaky, palsied hand, and he could barely light it. And they interviewed him a short time later, And he said, God allowed me this to remind me that I'm not the greatest, but he is. There's some good wisdom there. You know, there are times in our life when we need to realize many of the problems we deal with. We need to really understand that we don't have the power within us to deal with them. It's only God's perfect peace that sees us through. Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward as we close our time. I would venture to guess in a gathering this large, there may be some of you that are, are troubled with peace, just not experiencing the peace that you need. And I think it goes without saying that we deal with problems in life. It's just part of life. In fact, the reality is, what is problem after problem? It's called life. And the reality is we need to be willing to accept what we can't change, folks. We'll never find peace unless we can just lay it on the altar and say, God, I accept what I can't change. And then we need to trust in his loving care and surrender to his control over our lives. That's really the only way we can find true peace. Let's stand as we sing and bow our hearts. Father, we love you today. The altars are certainly open, and I would ask God in a very special way that you would allow your Holy Spirit's presence here in a way that would open hearts, that we might understand that your journey for us is one of peace, but you create us with the ability to make decisions, and sometimes we choose to be in control, and we look for answers And the reality of all of that search is that we live lives that are not peaceful. Give us your vision this morning. Allow us to be honest and open with you. And I pray these things comfortably because I know you love your church. I know you want what's best for us. And it is in your son's victorious name, Jesus, that I pray.